0: What is? what is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church,
1: this never resonated with me. <laughs>
0: This is Transformed, and now your host, assistant professor of biblical counseling at the Masters University
1: and certified biblical counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I have the privilege of being your host both of this show and also of the TV series I've also been honored to hear from you guys and many of you have written in to ask questions, uh, to express the ways that the Lord has used this show to help you. I've even heard a couple of cheesy jokes about being addicted to the show now but then quitting cold turkey. So I appreciate all of those and my goal in answering questions and engaging with you guys as the listener is to continue to serve you. And I do want it to be an opportunity to take the principles we talk about and apply it to your circumstances. So uh, I've got another one that actually I've heard in different contexts, but a listener has written in from Nebraska and asked this question. Will you please consider discussing what the biblical perspective on boundaries would be? I am referencing the book by Dr. Townsend on boundaries. I'd like to hear your thoughts and how to think biblically through it. It's funny because I received that letter via email from a listener in Nebraska and then I was at church about three weeks ago and another lady stopped me and said, hey, we were talking about boundaries in our small group and I'm interested to hear your perspective because we couldn't come to an agreement on what we thought. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the term boundaries, it's a way of describing offense in relationship. I think it's Henry Townsend and Cloud or Henry Cloud and Townsend, but they published a book on boundaries. And what they were teaching is that every healthy relationship needs to have boundaries to it. Boundaries offer protection from people that shouldn't trespass in that way. So think of your fence that you put up a fence to help protect people from coming on. It provides clarity. You know, where does your yard begin and my yard end? It keeps people in and helps provide relational priorities. And so this is kind of the idea of a boundary. Think of a relational fence. It's confusing at times because the Bible says things that make us wonder, should we have any boundaries? In fact, I've heard people use the turn the other cheek in the context of retaliation that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. Say, so, Well, I think he's just turn the other cheek. And that's what Jesus says. If they ask for your cloak, give them your tunic also. Go two miles with them. And in that way, it's, it's basically saying, have no boundaries. There's no boundaries. So if a person wants to insult you, you know, blessed are you, because they insulted Jesus too. And as I hear that, I'm often wondering, oh man, I, I feel like there's something missing from that, because that could become a very dangerous mentality where I allow people to mistreat me or I accept unbiblical treatment. Uh, Then the other side of the persuasion is it's those individuals that basically don't trust anyone and they have a boundary up for any other relationship that would come. And, And maybe you are that person as you're listening to that, or you're aware of those. It's someone that you just can't get close to. And usually I'll find that that's related to some past injury in a relationship where great trust was broken. But that person, man, like, the iron curtain has come down. There is no getting close to them. It takes five years to figure out what their last name is, so to speak. And we're like, man, I, I would like to grow close to you, but honestly, you just keep everybody at a distance. So this relationship's not going to go anywhere. So on one side, we let people mistreat us. On the other side, we don't let anybody in. You know, what is the biblical answer? I, I, I find too, this strikes me personally. Um, as you know, I am a human being. Um, most of you know that. I try to be normal, but it doesn't always work. And as a normal human being, I have family relationships. I have friends. I'm a pastor at a local church here in Santa Clarita. Uh, so I'm, I'm embedded with people with you. Uh, that means I have siblings. That means my wife has family and siblings and so forth. And even in our own personal lives, there have been times where we've had to say, look, we are not going to spend time with you If this is the way that you're going to treat us. And it's tricky because we had a family member recently that was on my wife's side. And this family member was texting my wife and insulting me, cursing at me, just to kind of rile my wife up and see if she could get a response back. And my wife said nothing and blocked the text message. So I think in that way, if that's what you mean by boundary, then in my own personal life, that boundary was erected between my wife and her family member. Is that right? Is that what we should do? I think that's really the question is like, how do we think this through? Well, I want to try to introduce two primary, I think, pillars that will help us answer this. The first is going to be what I would call role clarity, which is connected to managing your expectations of people. So role clarity is that skill where you and I understand how we relate to each other. And I'm sure you've thought about this, but maybe you have, maybe you haven't, maybe you just do this and you've never thought about this. So you don't expect the same thing of your spouse that you would expect of a stranger. You bump into a stranger at the grocery store and they say, oh, hey, what you here for? I'm getting ready for a barbecue. Great. Well, hope you have a great time. And then you say to this stranger, you know, you didn't acknowledge that the barbecue was for my birthday. How dare you? (laughs) That stranger is going to be like, uh, freak alert, freak alert, aisle five. It's like, Hey man, we just met. I didn't even know it was your birthday. Like my bad. I don't mind wishing you a happy birthday, but you just made this really weird. Uh, that wouldn't work with your spouse. If you were going to the grocery store to pick up things for the barbecue and your spouse was like, oh yeah, that's right, your birthday's today, you'd be like, not cool, man, or not cool, lady, because you expect that your spouse would remember your birthday, and when the barbecue rolls around, that they're contributing in some way to help for the birthday party. Now, that's because you have a different expectation of your spouse than you would a total stranger. Why do you have that? That's your understanding of roles. Role clarity means that you understand who this person is and how they relate to you. In fact, there are certain things that a stranger should not do to you because they don't relate to you like that. It's like, I don't know you like that. Hey, I know we just met, but I bought you a gift card for your birthday and here's a balloon packet and some flowers and a really nice card. If a stranger gave me that, I'd be like, Uh, no, thank you. You keep that because that just feels weird to me. But if my spouse gave me that, I would think, cool, where's the gift card to? We're going out. The reality is because when we understand the way that we relate to each other, then that's going to determine how we respond, what we say, what we're doing, what we're not doing. Uh, That's going to apply to friendships. That's going to apply to dating relationships, girlfriend, boyfriend. That's going to apply to work relationships and even different hierarchies within work relationships. You know, you have your boss, you have your subordinates. And so I I would find it to be a little uncomfortable if my subordinates were giving me a bunch of gifts all the time. I would be like, hey, no, 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 no. Like, you're not buying all my meals. You're not buying me watches and pens and stuff like, no, 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 that's not appropriate. And why is that not appropriate? Because this blurs our relationship. I want to be clear on our relationship. I don't want to be tempted to be partial towards you because you've bought me all these nice things and paid for my lunch all the time. So what are we doing there? We are maintaining clarity on the role and on the relationship. Now, if I lack that, then what may happen is I may have overly high expectations of people and I may also have low expectations of people. This is where boundaries start to come in, guys, if you're listening. Boundaries are when you have overly low expectations of people and you allow people that should not be mistreating you to mistreat you. That's when we would say something like, hey, you need to put up some boundaries between you and that individual. But let me give you an example of that. If I were in the line at the grocery store and that same person were like, hey man, can you hurry up a little bit? I'd be like, just chill. Give me a second. Get my stuff, check out, pay, leave, carry on with life. But if I were in that same line and I were standing with my best friend and he were like, hey man, you're always late. You're always killing me with this stuff. I'm tired of it. I'm leaving. I'm not... Then I might be like, hey, yeah, I'm going to have a conversation with my best friend because I don't want them to talk to me like this. But with the stranger, whatever, man, I'm moving on. So by maintaining those expectations of how a friend should treat me, that means that when they're not treating me that way, I'm going to talk with them about it. We're going to have to define what it is that a friend should say and not say. So by maintaining right expectations according to your role, that means that when that role has been broken, then we have to move to confrontation, which I would say is the second pillar. So number one is role clarity. The second is confrontation when you're not acting like the Bible says you should act. So we know Matthew 18 says, when your brother sins against you, go to your brother and show him his fault, verse 15. But technically there are people that sin against you all the time in traffic, cutting you in a line, charging you an unexpected fee that didn't have to be charged there are those types of inconsiderations all day. But when am I actually going to go? Well, when it's a brother and when I can't overlook this, I'm going to them. In certain roles, we have to say, look, you are not treating me the way a friend should treat me. You're not treating me the way that a spouse should treat me. You're not treating me the way a boss should treat me. So I am going to go to you and to confront you. And what am I confronting you over? You're not treating me the way that God has called you to treat me as a spouse, a boss, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a friend, whatever role that is. So confrontation takes place whenever roles have been broken. But in a secular environment, what Townsend and Cloud would say is, well, that's a boundary. You're putting up a boundary. And I would say, well, you're just confronting someone according to the Bible. And what are you confronting them according to? The failure of the role that they have fulfilled towards you. So, I am not becoming a confrontation maniac, but I do recognize that confrontation is a necessary part of me maintaining biblical roles. So, we're going to take a a short break. I'm going to pick up with this thought on role clarity and confrontation right after the break. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back. Okay, so we're now at the halfway point of this episode on the
0: biblical perspective on boundaries. And if you're enjoying Dr. Gifford's insights, let me recommend a resource that's available at transform.org that dives even deeper into this topic. It's called, When People Are Big and God Is Small. It's a gold mine of wisdom. It's written by Ed Welch, and it not only discusses our relationship with others, but it also refocuses our perspectives toward God. Listen to this from the book. Uh, Welch writes, "Quote: When people are big and God is small, we transfer the fear that belongs to God to people. We then become people pleasers. But when God is rightly seen as the ultimate authority, people don't seem so intimidating." That is a powerful reminder that we all need to remember probably more frequently than we do. And this quote sets the tone for that entire book. And again, you can pick it up on our website at transformed.org. And while you're there at transformed.org, let me take a moment to encourage you to prayerfully consider becoming a gospel partner. At Transformed, we have a passion, which is to guide people through their emotional struggles using the light of the Bible. We're fully committed to that. And at Gospel Partners Media, we are fully committed to reaching people with the gospel. But we need your support to continue this mission. When you become a gospel partner, you're helping us extend our reach. You enable us to bring healing and hope to even more people. But you also enable us to reach the world with the gospel. And you can find out all of the information on becoming a gospel partner at transformed.org. And speaking of bringing healing and hope to people... Let's talk about you for just a moment and how you could make a difference in someone's life, like personally. We offer a ton of resources at transform.org as well if you have ever thought about becoming a biblical counselor. And one such resource is How to Counsel Biblically by Dr. John MacArthur. And this is gold. It is an invaluable guide. You'll find profound insights and practical advice from Dr. MacArthur. Just imagine how many lives that you could touch in your local church church in your local community with the knowledge and the skills you'll gain from becoming a biblical counselor and it can all start when you pick up how to counsel biblically by Dr. John MacArthur from transformed.org. All right, well now it is time to get back to the man himself Dr. Greg Gifford as he continues to guide us further on understanding and establishing biblical boundaries. Welcome back to Transform. The Bible would tell us that OCD is not a disorder. It is the fruit of wrong believing and wrong theology. And now your host,
1: Dr. Greg Gifford. Okay, welcome back. We've been talking about the biblical expectation of boundaries. Are boundaries even a thing? Should we maintain boundaries? Is a boundary, something that I should totally jettison and see as being selfish? Or is there some biblical component of this? So here's what I've said so far. What really helps define the way we interact with others in regard to boundaries is going to be something like your expectation of that person, which corresponds to their role. So remember, role clarity, understanding roles, that manages our expectations. So it keeps them from being too high where I expect the stranger to call me on my birthday and wish me happy birthday. That's overly high, man, don't make it weird. But on the other side, it can be overly low where I allow people who are really close to me to mistreat me. Both of those are wrong because we want to make sure that our expectations are managed by the Bible. How should this person treat me? The Bible tells me how they should treat me. And I am going to maintain that expectation of them, that they're treating me according to the Bible. When they don't treat me according to the Bible, then the next pillar, the next thing I would say is that's where confrontation is necessary. And confrontation means that if this goes well, they stop the behavior they're doing to sin against me. And we continue to relate to each other just in a hunky-dory way. We're friends again. We've removed the weird awkwardness. You've spoken down to me three times this week. And on the fourth time, I'm like, hey, I don't appreciate whenever you talk to me like that. And you're like, oh, that is my bad. I am so sorry. Will you please forgive me for talking to you like that? And I say, yes, I will. Thank you for responding like that. Do, 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 do. That's our happy friend music. I love those moments because it's like, yeah, they stopped that behavior. They stopped mistreating us. They stopped talking down to us. They stopped those things. And so we keep relating with each other and praise the Lord. That's the way it should be. And as individuals, when someone comes to us and says, you're the one speaking down to me and you're the one being condescending, we should say, oh no, I am so sorry. That is not my intent. I wanna honor you. I wanna honor the Lord. Please forgive me for what I've done. Uh, I, I will do my best not to do that anymore. Perfect. Now, I would like to talk about when they don't do that. Bum, 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 bum. This is the inevitable question. This is where Cloud and Townsend are like, Don't allow yourself to be in unhealthy relationships. When a person is confronted and they say, I don't care, at that moment, our relationship has a problem because I do expect that my friends would treat me in a certain way. And I do expect that my spouse would treat me in a certain way. I do expect that my boss would treat me in a certain way. And when they respond to confrontation with something like, I don't care, we got ourselves a problem. And yet, there are people in this world that would respond to that I don't care by saying, well, okay, I guess you just keep doing it. But what I am arguing for you is that once confrontation has happened and a person more or less says, I don't care, I'm not gonna change, we now have a disrupted relationship. We're not relationally good. We need to be reconciled. And right now we have a debt between us. So when a person says that, we must be willing to say, look, I get it. uh, But our relationship is not going to be the same. I think that's what Cloud and Townsend would say is a boundary. You've just erected a boundary. And I was like, no, man, that's what it's like to create a debt in a relationship. And the only way for that debt to be overcome is through forgiveness, which is the cancellation of a debt. So we're not relationally good until a person says, oh, I'm so sorry for talking to you that way. That's my bad. So in that way, are you erecting a boundary? No, I would say you're redefining the relationship because that individual is refusing to repent of the debt they are creating. They're refusing to stop. So we, we want to be careful. We don't want to cultivate times together with someone who is mistreating us. And we confront them about their mistreatment and they say, yeah, I don't care. Get over it. I'm not going to work for a boss that skims from my paycheck, doesn't pay me what I'm due. I go to them and say, hey, uh, you guys may have not realized this, but you didn't pay me my full paycheck. And they say, yeah, well, we're not going to. Things have been tough around here. So you're just lucky to get one at all. Unfortunately, my response would be like, okay, well, thank you for letting me know that. And I am going to be on Indeed.com for about an hour. (laughs) No, (laughs) it'll be about two hours. No, 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 no. But I'm probably not going to continue to work for someone that is mistreating me in that way. So I'm not cultivating times with an individual who is refusing to change. I'm not accepting from someone mistreatment. I'm not accepting that. I expect that I'm not going to be treated poorly. And why do I expect that? Well, not because I'm fancy smancy and I deserve nice treatment. It's because I'm an image bearer and I have a level of rights within America. And I expect that you would treat me according to the way the Bible has called you to treat me. So for me to say, you know what, you can just skim my paycheck and do whatever you want. And I'll take, I'll take it. Give me another one, sir. Um, What begins to take place is over time. Cloud and Townsend would say, you have let those boundaries go down. So what do you do when a person says, I don't care in regard to your confrontation, the relationship that you have with them begins to be redefined. If this is not a person who you have to relate to, then most of the time, what will happen is you're not going to cultivate times with that individual. If a friend says that, it's like, okay, well, I mean, I guess we're not hanging out as much anymore. If a sibling says that, it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, I love you, man, and I hope that that changes. But I guess we're not going to spend as much time together. Our kids won't be hanging out together. If a spouse says that, this is where we have problems, and we have to then begin to address those with a biblical counselor, work through conflict resolution, and ensure that we're on the same page. But we're still not accepting mistreatment. We maintain biblical clarity on that. We we expect that you would treat us according to the scripture. So let me give you a couple of wrong motivations for role clarity in confrontation, and then finish with right motivations. Biblical boundaries are not a, it's not a a concept. If by biblical boundaries, you mean self-protection, that's, that's often a very selfish motivation. It comes from humanistic psychology where we say you need to stay out of toxic relationships and protect yourself. That's not the number one goal. Self-preservation is not the number one goal. That's a very worldly goal. And in fact, over time, it actually hurts you from having any good relationship. Listeners, think of it this way. What long-term relationship do you have, and long-term meaning three years or more, what long-term relationship do you have where you haven't had a conflict with that person or they haven't hurt you in some way? So number one, the goal is not self-protection because if it is, honestly, I won't have any friends. And I don't want to sound like a total weirdo, but I can even hurt myself. Like I can't even relate to Greg and I'm stuck. I can't relate to my dog even. But the goal isn't self-preservation. The goal is honoring the Lord, first of all. So in relationships, it's not about me preserving myself. It's about honoring the Lord in the way that I interact with people. So when our relationship starts to take a downward spiral towards the Lord is not being honored and partly because people are not treating us in a way that is honoring to the Lord, that is when we would confront and that is when we are able to say, I'm not going to allow this. I need to tell you about this in hopes that our relationship can be restored back to a place of honoring the Lord. I know that there are enough people listening to this to be able to resonate with the fact that relationships do hurt and disappointment. Uh, We have served someone so carefully and thoughtfully and they just turn around and ignore us. In those relationships, we want to be girded in safety in Christ, not in people. Remember, if, if you're using boundaries in the secular sense, it's to find your safety in you. But that is not an accurate understanding of the way that we interact in relationships. We find our safety in Christ and who we are in Christ. God is our refuge. And the reason we're going to be okay is not because of us and we're protecting people from us. It's because God is our rock, and if God is our rock, I can actually relate to difficult people because I'm secure in who I am in Christ, and so are you. So, if boundaries means that you're protecting people from getting close to you and you find security in yourself, then that's wrong. Honestly, you're not a secure place. God is your security. God is your rock. Jesus is your security, not people, and that those people, even being yourself. So, how do we manage that then, practically? Well, we're going to find our safety in Christ and we're going to risk ourselves in relationships in a way that honors him and maintains biblical expectations of people simultaneously. So I hope this was helpful to you as I've thought this through carefully. It's been helpful for me. My goal is to encourage you to expect of people what God would expect of them, and to not allow mistreatment in a way that is gracious. Uh, to employ biblical confrontation in a way that actually restores relationships and makes them better, and to not default to self-preservation, cutting off people instantaneously if anything wrong has happened, and ultimately becoming a very lonely person in the process. So if you have more questions, please write in greg at transform.org. I'd love to hear from you and incorporate those on a future episode. Let me pray for us. Oh God, give us grace to be individuals who are relationally wise. Uh, There are going to be times just in everyday life where we sin against people and they sin against us. And we don't want to be individuals who are quick to cut people out of our lives. I'm thankful that you don't treat me like that or the listeners like that. But yet may you give us wisdom on those individuals in our life that really are going beyond the way that they should treat us and treating us in ways that do not honor you. We need wisdom in that because sometimes we're so raw and we're so prone to forgiveness or prone to bitterness rather, that we need to forgive. And there are other times where we perhaps have let people mistreat us for longer than we should have. So give us wisdom on that. Help us to have spirits that are gracious when the time for confrontation comes. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.